investigative journalist Molly Barrows. For years, I've covered the stories that made headlines in Northwest Florida and all along the Gulf Coast. Murders. Missing persons. And mysteries of all kinds. These cases are far from over for many victims because the full story has yet to surface. Join me for Gulf Coast Confidential, where I dive into the saltier side of the South and expose the lies, greed, and corruption that often weighs down the truth. It's time to turn the tide and get a shot at justice. Hi, I'm Molly Barrows, a longtime reporter in Florida's Panhandle, and welcome to my investigative series, Gulf Coast Confidential, where we dive into the saltier stories that surface in Northwest Florida and all along the Gulf of Mexico. My co-host, as always, is Pam Hill. Pam, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. And Pam has a very tragic situation in her background, which gives her a unique perspective on a lot of these cases that we talk about. Her sister was killed by her son, Pam's nephew, on Christmas Eve of 2013, And Pam is a pharmacist as well as a grief and loneliness researcher, and we love to hear her thoughts on a lot of these cases. The case that we're talking about today, this episode is called Achoo! Affluenza or BS, Ethan Couch. We're talking about the case of Ethan Couch, who was just 16 years old when he killed four people and injured nine others in a drunk driving accident in Texas 10 years ago. He avoided serious prison time by claiming the affluenza defense, which essentially means that because he grew up with wealth and privilege and had no boundaries, he couldn't be held responsible for the deadly DUI. Now, 26 years old, Couch is scheduled to finish probation this month, December of 2023. And, you know, we regularly talk about national cases here on Gulf Coast Confidential because the crimes are similar to ones that we've seen here. And, of course, we can learn from all of them. So here's a recap. Ten years ago, on June 15, 2013, Ethan Couch killed four people and injured nine others while driving drunk in his father's truck. He was 16 at the time, and he crashed into a group of people helping 24-year-old Brianna Mitchell, who had broken down on the side of the road. Mitchell died along with a neighbor who was trying to help, Holly Boyles, and her daughter, Shelby Boyles, as well as a youth pastor, Brian Jennings, who had stopped to help. There were seven other teenagers in the truck with Couch. None were wearing seatbelts. They all survived, but Sergio Molina was paralyzed from the neck down. Investigators said that Couch's blood alcohol level was 0.2 at the time of the crash, and that is three times the legal limit in Texas. Police said they also had security footage that showed Couch stealing beer from a local store, and he'd even hosted a party prior to the deadly crash. Now, Couch wasn't tried for the crime because he ended up pleading guilty to four counts of intoxication manslaughter and two counts of intoxication assault. But it was during his sentencing that Couch's attorneys argued he suffered from affluenza and that Judge Gene Boyd should consider a lenient sentence. Now, in Couch's case, attorneys argued that he lacked a moral compass or he didn't know right from wrong due to his family's wealth. The defense's psychiatric expert claimed that affluenza is a psychological illness affecting people of privilege and wealth because of their upbringing. The symptoms are a lack of moral responsibility and empathy that some wealthy people have due to being rich, is the explanation. And the term affluenza is actually a combination of the words influenza and affluent. So I thought it was interesting, Pam, in researching this case, that affluenza is not even a recognized illness by the American Psychiatric Association. It's basically junk science term that was made up by this expert that was hired by the defense. Um, And we're going to get into more details of the case. But, you know, just I can't help but think basically 
you know, that word is what made this story go international because so many people could relate to this feeling of the justice system being unfair or wealthy people or rich white kids getting a break when the rest of us schmucks are just kind of slugging it along. <laughs> right, we're just here. Well, it, this ta- we've talked about this in other cases, too, like with Ted Bundy. He was handsome and resourceful. Are there some people that are wealthy? This kind of reminds me of the Alec Murdoch case, too, with his son in the boat. Yes. Because the... Uh, Ethan should not have been driving, and people told him not to drive. Matter of fact, when they found all the kids spread out everywhere that were in the truck, uh, he was just in his swim trunks, too, like uh, Paul Murdoch was. These people just do what they want. And for some reason, I don't—they said they when they put this defense out there, there was a slight chuckle in the back of the courtroom, which I don't doubt, because—but the thing is, it is not funny. The— if you are wealthy and have had every resource in the world to you, you should know better than anybody. Absolutely. But he, he just did it anyway. And it's interesting to me just uh, the, the history of crimes that mm-hmm. he had had. It wasn't the first time he'd been in trouble mm-hmm. before. Oh, no. Well, his parents were wealthy. His dad, I think, owned a sheet, uh, sheet metal type of thing. I'm very wealthy. And when Ethan would get in trouble in school, his dad would just say, I'll just buy the school. You know exactly. Fred Anthony Couch, that's his father. Mm-hmm. He owned a company called Clayburn Metalworks, and it was a pretty successful metal roofing company enough that they were doing pretty well financially. And his mom is Tawny Couch, and the defense attorneys were basically throwing them under the bus, saying that they weren't there for him, they didn't set boundaries for him, they gave him his way, there was no consequences for his behavior, and that they also had sort of an above the law attitude. Mm-hmm. We can get more into that a little bit as well, but because of that, because of the permissive way that he was brought up, they said he. Had had access to alcohol, drugs, and cars from an early age. Several run-ins with the law before he hurt and killed all those people, including stealing beer from the store, driving with a suspended license, possessing a fake ID. What I thought was also interesting is that in February of 2013, just four months before he killed those people in that crash, he was cited for minor in the consumption and possession of alcohol after he was found urinating in a Dollar General parking lot with a bottle of Grey Goose, Miller Lite, and a naked 14-year-old girl mm. passed out in his mother's F-150 pickup mm-hmm. truck. Right. And so he said he was uh, told to go to a, a program to learn about alcohol and do community service. But he didn't do either of those things. So it was mm-hmm. consistent to this, you know, allowing him to get by a slap on the wrist that led up to ultimately people dying. Right. I don't understand what's so hard about enforcing the law because they can enforce it for everybody else. But it's not that it's hard. It's that people choose not to do the right thing. Uh, the people that are the law enforcement, the judges. I mean, we are paying you to be a judge. Use your common sense. You don't, it doesn't matter if Bubba over there gets mad at you at the uh, Baron's Ball or whatever. Who cares? Do your damn job and and make it fair. I I, I, I can see why people uh, bristle at the justice system. I used to think, oh, they'll all do the right thing. Everybody involved will do the right thing. In the 10 years that I've been dealing with this with my sister, I've almost come to the conclusion that everybody involved will do the wrong thing or the greedy thing or the easy thing. And it's time, I mean, we're we're spiraling down to zero. When you can kill four people with an 8,000-pound truck, 
and paralyzed one from the neck down that got thrown out of the back of the truck. And the rest of his life, he was a promising soccer player, Sergio was. Mm. And his brother, I, I could relate to his brother so much because his brother brought him up on a press conference about Ethan getting out on one of his many times he'd done some tomfoolery. And he said, yeah, they've all spoken for him and everything, but let me get my brother to speak for you. It was, it was awkward. It was tense. His brother can't speak. He said, tell him, tell him, tell him you want to be a, a soccer star like you used to want to be. He can't do it. And so basically he was upset about that. Mothers Against Drunk Driving was upset about that. They're trying to rally people to get them moving. This should never happen. He could have faced serious prison time. Attorneys mm-hmm. actually wanted to try him as an adult, meaning he could have gotten up to 20 years in prison, but he was tried as a minor. And he, well, he didn't face a trial, but they mm-hmm. didn't charge him as an adult, but basically he pled um, as a minor. So it, it brought a, a lesser maximum sentence, and that maximum sentence for juveniles in Texas for the charges that Ethan Couch faced at the time was a maximum of 10 years probation and rehabilitation which allows for a punishment that avoids prison time altogether. So, Mm -hmm. you know, you and I were talking about that judge. In February of 2014, the judge presiding over his criminal case, Gene Boyd, had a closed hearing, which removed the media from this hearing, during which she agreed with Couch's defense. Mm. That basically he had a crappy upbringing and she was going to be lenient. So in addition to the 10 years probation, she ordered him to go to a long-term residential treatment center, although she didn't specify any requirements regarding the duration or how long basically he needed to stay. Um, She banned him from driving. He couldn't drink or use drugs during this probation period. Judge Boyd said that her decision was influenced by her belief that he would not receive proper treatment in prison and would have a better chance of rehabilitation in a therapeutic environment. I mean, to your point, that just is infuriating because I don't see any black or brown people getting this Mm -hmm. level of of, of understanding or in-depth review of their backgrounds. Mm -hmm. And I've covered so many sentencing. Mm -hmm. I've watched people pass out. I remember years ago, one of the first cases I ever covered back in the um, mid-90s, 1990s in Okaloosa County in Fort Walton Beach, Florida, a man on Interstate 10, he wasn't from the area. I believe he was actually Jamaican national, but he was here working, and he was speeding, like going over 100 miles an hour. He lost control of his car in a work zone, and he killed, I think, at least one worker, maybe more. It's been a long time since I covered it. But I was there to cover his sentencing, and it was an accident. He didn't mean to do it. Very similar to all of this, but he wasn't drunk. He wasn't. He was reckless in his driving and certainly his speed. And it, and it took people's lives. And I think he expected some punishment, but they gave him just, you know, I, I can't remember the exact number, but it was 25 years, 30 years. It was a long time in prison. And he passed out. I bet. Right there in the, I mean, you know, because he, he was saying, I didn't mean to do this. Mm-hmm. I, I'm willing to pay fines, restitution, mm-hmm. work. I understand. Mm-hmm. But, you know, here's a grown man who wasn't even drunk. Right, right. And, and as far as we know, he didn't have. At that time, they didn't bring it up in sentencing, a record of doing this before. But in Ethan's case, he had a record of doing mm-hmm. this before. Oh, yeah. It's what he does. And it's what he'll do again. Plenty of the psychologists were talking about he'll, he'll violate probation. And he did. And we'll talk about that in a minute. But this judge here, this Judge Gene Boyd, you know, judges are elected. And especially like this lady was going to stay up for election pretty soon. And I think that maybe uh, Ethan's dad contributed heavily to her or something like that. But it seems like the public outrage seems like she would have had more sense than that. He killed people. She said, everybody doesn't have all the details like I had. I don't think I can take any more details. 
He, he killed four people and hurt seven or eight others, damaged all kind of property, and has no regard, just thumbs his nose at the law. Yeah, because that was really just the beginning of all mm-hmm. the of, of the high-profile thumbing of your nose, mm-hmm. if you will. This, the, as the case continued, there were just even more crazy events that happened. Exactly two years after his sentencing, his probation came under scrutiny after a video showed him playing beer pong mm-hmm. at a party with some other teenagers. And although it's not explicit, the video appeared to basically show that he violated the terms of his probation by drinking. Um, it was unclear if he actually drank beer at the party or if he was just there playing that traditional mm-hmm. drinking game. But soon after, his probation officer tried to contact him. And guess what? Mm-hmm. They couldn't reach him or his mother right. to clarify what was actually happening on that video because the affluenza mom and her son were... In Mexico. Mm-hmm. In fact, that's where authorities found them. They captured them a couple of days after Christmas in 2015 near Puerto Vallarta. Authorities tracked them down by tracing a phone call because they ordered a pizza. I uh, know. Isn't that crazy? Yes. A Domino's pizza. Good gracious. <laughs> Sometimes it's the simple things that yeah. trip you up. But, I mean, just you have to wonder, were they even realistically thinking that they could hide out? Mm-hmm. I think These so. These are not rocket scientists. Yeah. I think so because she told her husband, Fred, that uh, I won't see you again. You know, and then ran off with her son. There's something weird about their relationship, too, that you can't hardly put your finger on, but it comes to light later. It's well, just- it's interesting, yes. The, the, in fact, the psychologist who termed this affluenza uh, term, who, who used that in his defense, that same guy who was saying, you know, he had a rough upbringing, his parents weren't really there for him, he also pointed out that the mom referred to Ethan as her protector mm-hmm. and even had a, a bed moved into her room for him mm-hmm. so that I guess he could feel comfortable. I don't really know what all that's about, but it, it certainly does indicate that there's a lot of maybe some enmeshment, mm-hmm. some unhealthy boundaries. Mm-hmm. And, and Some weirdness. Some that's weirdness. just weird to me. Well, and then like after after your son, I would be living uh, so scared 10 years if I had a wild child like that. I know they'd probably violate because he can't obey anything, but she they're not teaching him to obey. But that's nobody's fault but his. And basically, whether he was drinking or not when he violated probation, he's not supposed to be around where alcohol was served. And you clearly see him doing belly busters mm-hmm. on a table full of beer pong, red solo cups, and, and getting up and having a hoot nanny. So I'm going to say he was drinking. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm I think that's a pretty good guess there, Pam. I agree. But yeah, so they they both were arrested. A warrant was issued for her arrest as well. She was suspected of actually laundering money and, of course, preventing the capture of a criminal. But after his probation violation, when they got back to Mexico, Couch was then transferred to adult court and sentenced to 720 days in jail, 180 days for each of the four people that he killed in that crash. So that's really the only time Mm -hmm. he ever served. In, re- in regards to that, he also had to abide by the terms of his probation, which, again, included don't drink, don't use drugs, or drive. Mm-hmm. And his attorneys appealed the sentence. They said it was too harsh and violated his due process rights. Well, what about the due process rights of the people who are dead? I know. Or, or the mm-hmm. paralyzed mm-hmm. young man or the or the, all the other people that were injured and, right. and just the lives that were traumatized by the people who lost their loved ones. So his attorneys claimed he should have been given a hearing before being moved to adult court and that the judge had no authority to impose those consent executive jail terms. Ethan Couch appealed the sentence, but it was denied by the Texas Supreme Court. So that's nice to mm-hmm. know that the Texas mm-hmm. Supreme Court would support that. And then in 2016, his dad, the father, of course, of the affluenza teen, he got a year's probation for impersonating a peace officer. And then when he was released from jail after serving nearly 
full two years of his sentence. Um, Couch stayed under close watch. He had to wear an ankle monitor and a device that could tell if he'd been drinking. He had to attend counseling, perform community service. And in the meantime, his mom was still in jail on allegations of money laundering. This is how they described it, involving the, quote, cleaning of money gained illegally by inserting the most often cash profits into legitimate businesses to hide their true origins and enable the funds to be used without detection. So in other words, she was just, you know, Moving money moving around. Moving money around, <laughs> trying to fund what yeah. they're doing. Um, but she got bail in 2016 and was released. Um, but she was actually arrested again in 2017 mm-hmm. for violating the terms of her bond by drinking alcohol and possessing a firearm. She pleaded guilty to hindering the apprehension of a felon and money laundering. She admitted that she helped her son flee to Mexico and used $30,000 from her bank account to finance their escape. Mm -hmm. She faced up to 10 years in prison for each charge, but she agreed to a a plea deal that was basically going to recommend a sentence of two years for all that she had done. But a judge gave her five years in prison. He said he considered her lack of remorse and her role in enabling her son's behavior aggravating factors. And he also ordered her to pay almost $30,000 to the state of Texas. That was the cost for extraditing them well, back from, from Mexico. So that's basically what happened to the mom. And then Ethan also violated in right, 2017. Right. He had his little ankle monitor on. He's supposed to do it. They're giving him the least to do. Just do what we say, and he can't do that. Well, he had violated because they had found THC in his profile. But it was so weak that they couldn't prove that he smoked it or took it in. So he got away with that again. He gets a lot of breaks, this boy. He's the most hated teenager in America. Yeah, and it's interesting because here it is, December of 2023, and his probation is supposed to be up, according to media in that area outside of Fort Worth, the suburb where they're from, mm-hmm. um, reported that, that it ends December 10th. So right. this month, it'll be it'll be over. Um, and especially he hasn't violated probation since 2017. Um but in 2019, he had the terms of his probation lightened, and he was no longer required to actually wear that GPS mm-hmm. ankle monitor. So it's just crazy to me. It but is. the parents con- mm-hmm. t- continued to have some issues. Mm-hmm. In 2019, his dad was arrested for allegedly choking his girlfriend oh, yeah. and charged with you know felony family violence. So it, it, it's certainly the kid didn't have the best role models when it mm-hmm. came to following the law. But that's no excuse. No, it's, it's not. no excuse. You don't no. kill people. And the thing is, none of them can act right. None of them can act right. I don't understand why our system breaks their back to do everything they can for the offender, like they're afraid of them and they're going to violate their rights. Other people that are that are suffering or got hurt or dead, their rights were taken. I just don't understand it for the life of me. And you know this kind of lights my fuse anyway because this happened the same year that my nephew uh, murdered my sister, 2013. Right. So this is 10 years coming up for us, too. And my nephew, uh, right after he murdered Sharon, I didn't know how to use Facebook or any of that computer stuff back then. I didn't have any interest in it at all. You're rocking and rolling now, though. <laughs> no, Y'all can find Pam Hill on Facebook if you're out and about. <laughs> yeah. She has some great posts, yeah, especially but, if you're wanting to talk about grief and healing, because you do a lot of good work and yeah. oh, helping people. You. Yes. But go, you. You've mastered the Facebook now, but back <laughs> in the day, that was not the case. <laughs> no, I didn't even know how to do it. And one of my friends called me and said, have you seen that YouTube video about your nephew that says, um, 
Ratchet Florida, a Florida man, Ratchet Ass Florida. And it's a lady that's do. she got the case. She was a reporter, I think, or a commentator. And she was talking about, and she said, my nephew had affluenza. And she said he was spoiled. Everything she said on there was right. We're not affluent. We've all worked hard to give the children in our family what they need and want. They didn't lack for anything. No, they didn't. And so I listened to that. YouTube video. So it's a little black lady and she's she's animated and there's nothing wrong with what she's saying because she's telling the truth like it is. And she she also said if this had not been a white boy, you know, basically the poor fluenza, mm-hmm. there wouldn't be a chance on it. But also it just shocked me kind of because a few maybe a few of the little things she said were not exactly right. And that happens sometimes doing podcasts and stuff. Yeah, we certainly can relate to that. Yeah, I can. And, you know, I might say cupcake when I'm in ice cream, something like that. In other right. words, I mean like a dessert or whatever. But we're all doing the best we can yeah. to research these cases and bring you information mm-hmm. as, as we understand it to be right. correct. Right. And so the, the thing with all that, then I started looking and there were podcast after podcast after podcast, several of them. One of them about my nephew is called Mary Deathmas. Mm. And those things kind of hurt, but it's. It, I want Sharon's story told. I want these people that Ethan Couch, Holly, uh, Brittany, Brian, and Shelby. You know, see, we have to search hard to remember their names because he's such a clown and a cut up and a distraction and stuff. I mean, I like judges that said, I told you what to do and you better damn well do it. I know, and, and, and stick to the law. Right. And no it, consequences. Right. No consequences whatsoever. Parents didn't have any. So here's the thing. Do we live in a world that if you have enough money, you can just cut through everybody and do everything you want to do? And I'm starting to think, yes, we do. Yes. I mean, Jeffrey Epstein, I think, is a good example, example. of that. That, mm-hmm. that sweetheart deal that he got from the feds before mm-hmm. he actually was arrested mm-hmm. um, and then ended up committing suicide. But yeah, I think absolutely. And I think that's why the story went worldwide. I mean, mm-hmm. it went national and then it got picked up around the world because people were fascinated by this. Will yet another young, white, privileged male get away with murder, essentially, mm-hmm. because, you know, he's claiming he's the victim. Right. He had and a I don't sad care. Yeah, I don't care. I say this all the time. I do not care. I don't care if he's happy. I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. I've never heard him say, I am sorry. I've never heard my nephew say, I am sorry. You know, I'm tired of it. Actually, I wished I wished I was not this old right now. I wish I was a young lady because I would just set myself toward that. I'd go back to school. I'd go to law school and I'd just try to figure out, I'd just raise hell all day, I guess. <laughs> I guess that's what I'd do. Well, I don't think you need a law degree to raise hell. <laughs> well, I kind of do that anyway. But hey. <laughs> I know, but it's important. And I think that's why we like to talk about a lot of these cases too, because you can relate to what uh, victims' families experience mm. and that feeling of not being heard or maybe not getting justice for their loved ones. And I, I've also noticed that sometimes in comments on some of the stories, there are those who feel like perhaps, especially when we talked about the death penalty cases, that, that they're, you know, we're not being, and I don't want to say the word lenient, but um, understanding, you know, sometimes people make mistakes. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I don't want to give that impression. I certainly, if we are doing that, I don't think that's our, mm-hmm. either one of our hearts. No. Um, because then over the years, I did see so many people, you know, it, we are just warehousing people in prisons. When I did cover those death penalty cases in uh, in the Stark, Florida area, 
it's just prison after prison after prison. We are it is big money mm-hmm. in putting people in prison. Mm-hmm. And that's the bottom line. So I do think that we need major reform. I think, you know, I, I whether it's the death penalty or these excessive sentences or minimum mandatories, there are a lot of people who are spending inordinate amounts of time in prison, probably just for money reasons, mm-hmm. not because it's about justice. And I do believe in rehabilitation. And I do believe people can change and people can, um, when they take responsibility for their behavior, they can change and become contributing society members of society, I think we do need to work harder to make those opportunities. And when people are out of prison, we need to make it easier for them to to get back mm-hmm. into society, mm-hmm. yeah, to I get education, jobs, all of that, because it, all, all ships rise with the tide. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's hard to 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 fight for that when the, our own court systems are, you know, oh, well, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. This is going to fall into the make money for us category mm-hmm. because you don't have the political influence. You don't have the money. You're just a, a poor black or brown person mm-hmm. from a family. You got caught dealing drugs or mm-hmm. you got caught with a DUI accident for doing this. And, and there's no leniency for them. There's no, you know, helping them through the process like there is for a lot of these other mm-hmm. kids. And Ethan Couch, I think, sort of exemplified that. So it's not fair. It isn't nece- it is subjective. And I think that's why people were so outraged by this particular case. Right. And as much as I believe in rehabilitation, I understand the judge's point. This was not the case for that, in mm-hmm. my opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, when you have no consequences, there has to be the lessons I've learned the best in life are the ones that have cost me the most, probably embarrassed me the most, uh, agonized the most. And there were consequences. And there is a, basically a mea culpa like... I'm sorry, uh, some sort of li- realization that that was not your best thinking. Right. So what are your takeaways from this particular case? Oh, my takeaways are that um, our system is not fair to everybody. That when you go, like you said, that man went in there at sentence and he fainted. I'm sure this guy right here, Ethan Couch, danced on the way out. Actually, his dad came to pick him up in a Tesla, you know, after he was getting out of jail, which I don't have anything against people that have money. That's wonderful. I, I, I like people have money. But things should be fair just because you're a different color, a different gender, a different socioeconomic class. It should be fair. And I think that everybody needs a watchdog over them, even judges. And I think sometimes that they should have to answer for what they do. Absolutely. And I agree with you. My takeaway is that, you know, to the to the title of our episode here, mm-hmm. Achoo, Affluenza or BS, Ethan Couch, I'm calling BS. Same. You know, yeah. that's my takeaway. And, and to your, you know, to your point, if, if, you know, other folks that maybe are potentially going through this, they've lost someone, you know, to a, a drunk driver or in another situation where there could potentially be some leniency. Again, we're not trying to hang people from the highest rafter. Mm-hmm. It's about what's fair. What is, you know, right. what is the right thing mm-hmm. to do? And um, a, a defense attorney, a defense that basically spins that we should feel sorry for him because he wasn't raised properly. Well, that's also the explanation for why he did what he did. Right. But it doesn't mean he should be let off with a slap right. on the wrist. It's also the reason he should go to jail. Maybe Absolutely. somebody else can teach him how to act right since the parents don't. And I mean, I... You can just turn it around any way you want to. He killed people with an 8,000-pound truck coming at him and didn't think anything about it. He's still here for Christmas this year. Those folks aren't. Sergio, he won't even—only thing he can do is blink. Mm. 
God love him. Bless his heart. That's terrible. It's, it's awful. Well, Pam, I appreciate you joining me for this. And we thank you for joining us for this episode of Gulf Coast Confidential. I'm your host, writer, and producer, Molly Barrows, with co-host and researcher, Pam Hill. Thank you. And, of course, a big thanks, as always, to our director, editor, and production engineer, James Roy. And remember, you can listen to more of Gulf Coast Confidential Conversations wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. You can also watch on the Gulf Coast Confidential YouTube channel. Don't forget to like and subscribe, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>